Romans chapter 1, part 2 of How Did We Get Here? I think we're sort of called that, How Did We Get Here? This will be part 2 of How Did We Get Here? Romans chapter 1. If you're following along there, please, starting at 18 again. It says for us in Romans chapter 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause... Those preceding verses, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all Unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. May the Lord raise a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we just pray tonight that you'd guide and direct my words and thoughts. May our thinking come back and just follow right up with this morning's message and continue right on. Lord, as we look at our nation, we, we see a nation so in need of repentance. I pray that, as Bud prayed this morning in closing, that we would be on our knees, at least, at least figuratively, if not in reality, praying for you to heal our land, that we repent as Christians, as churches, that we would seek your face. Lord, help us to uh, learn this evening, maybe be challenged again as to the needs of our country, our churches, across America, and the hope is you. You are the hope of nations, and you have set forth our uh, life expectancy. You have set forth our how long we're going to live is forever with you. And so, Lord, we are thankful. Bless our time together for these few moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, I sort of laid the groundwork for, and will continue laying the groundwork for, the fact of how have we gotten to the shape we are in. Well, some one person in our shape in our church asked this question, or answers the question, I'm pretty good shape for the shape I'm in. I can tell you that our shape in America is not pretty good. I don't know what shape we're in. It's not a good shape. Uh, and I want to say that round is a shape. In my case, round is a shape. So I'm in that kind of shape. That's not a good shape either. 
But spiritually speaking, I don't even want to make a joke tonight because it, this is such a serious thing. Our nation so is in need. We have a people who have jettisoned God. We have a, a, a collapse morally of our nation. Uh, the State of the Union is, is the continue the first part. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll continue the good part. We're still going to be on the difficult part tonight and next Sunday. Uh, how the Back to the basics, what we are to do in light of the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, if, you, if you follow along again, as we read through that passage, it was seemed like the United States could be laid right beside uh, chapter 1, 18 to 32 of Romans. We have suppressed the truth. It's wrong to suppress the truth. The truth has been given clearly. Matter of fact, in 20, uh, the beauty and glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. And so that those who see the beauty of God... Uh, are without excuse. I personally believe often, if not always, God will send that person who's really seeking the Lord, he will send the gospel through people like Kathy going across the world, or a tract, or a letter, or a call, or an email, or something like that. If they're really seeking the gospel, I personally believe that the Lord will really get that to them. But the shame of it is, I think it's 95% of the folks in the 1040 window will never ever hear the gospel presented clearly once in their lives, and so we are to really, and maybe 20 years ago, is that 1040 window, and people are trying to, the Asian window, where there's so many people in such a, a, a degree above the, below the equator, that 1040 window, so many people who never hear the gospel even one time clearly presented. By the way, it should remind us to be thankful that you have heard the gospel, and I believe you responded positively to it. Verse 19, we find uh, that things are made known and they should understand. Verse 20, clearly presented the power and glory of God and they are without apologetic. Apologia, apologia, apologetic there without excuse. They are out without a defense. They are guilty before God. 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God Neither were thankful. We are a country that is adrift in many ways. We are a country saddled with debt. We've got so many, so much debt. I don't know if my great 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 grandchildren will be alive. If we can, it's going to take them that long to pay off our current debt. Let alone what is added on to that. It's a sign of the destruction and the demise of a nation when our debt outweighs our cost to defend our borders. Suppression of truth. As truth is suppressed, mankind becomes twisted knowing that he should glorify God, but doesn't want to do that. And so they come up with their own ideology, their own system, their own wisdom. And they actually and find out in verse number is it 21, 22, 22 it is, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. To change the glory of the uncorruptible God, 23, into the image made like unto corruptible man. It was Pascal who said, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. That was in the 1600s. And so the very same thing today. We need to love and look for the truth. We, oh, the truth is, is the truth wonderful? It is. Now, it's convicting, absolutely. But when, when the truth is settled on and there's an agreement of this is the right way to go, it's a blessed thing. 24, wherefore God also gave them up. So when you are determined to go against God, he will, someone has said being the gentleman he is, let you go your own way. He will not force you to receive him as Savior. He will not do it. He wants people who love him out of their own volition. So he gave them up. We found here in America, we talked about this morning, about how that we have made laws, etc., across the board who have solely determined to disintegrate our moral 
moorings of our own land. We find that we have so many things that have re- re- uh, respond, not responsible, but, but the showing that so many proves. Verse 25 is where he sort of stopped this morning. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. They have exchanged what was possessed naturally, the truth of God, for a lie. Even the definitive definite article is there. The lie. They've changed it. Oh, and I almost want to say that evolution's the lie because they believe that we're simply a cosmic accident that flies in the face of all scientific data. No effect can be greater than the cause. This wonderful universe in which we live has to have someone, someone greater than itself. You simply can't have a big bang and all this complex system work correctly. The fact that the sun's 93 million miles, just a little tick closer, we burn up a little tick further and we freeze. How did, how did that happen that just like that? How is this one planet and all that we've ever learned or seen is the one planet that can hold life? It's because this is the center of God's universe. If you, when you went to elementary school, the maps would show America in the center of, the, of, the, of the, our globe, if you would, a flat map. I tell you, if you had a flat map in God's heaven, Jerusalem smack dab in the center and everything else flows into it or around it. And that's because that's, that's the center of his thinking. The city of Jerusalem is the holy city. It is God's city. And we are drinking poison when we believe that we can somehow live our lives without God in them and, make, and make heads or tails of it. The lie, for example, that the baby in the womb is not viable until after birth, sometime after birth, certainly not after creation or, or conception, anywhere, in the, and that's, it's not true. God gave life, and from the moment of conception, it's interesting that we in America will not let youth drive until they're 16 at least, or buy tobacco, or buy alcohol, or do all these other things, and yet we'll let them become transgendered even under those ages. It, it's amazing to me. It's amazing that we, well, that's such a more serious, in my thinking, life decision, and you're going to foster that and allow children to do that. We've, we've become disconnected from reality. So the worship and service of man's souls, there's this insatiable desire to worship something, and it's either God or man, and if it's, if it's not God, then you've kind of come up with your own reasons and what to worship, and I believe we're always struggling, or they are always struggling to continue moving down this negative road. We've got to keep the train, got to keep the fire in the train, because if we stop for just a moment and think about what we are doing and happen to read the Bible or hear some bald preacher preaching somewhere, we might be convicted. So we've got to keep, keep, keep things going, keep the noise going, etc. We find in, in 26 and 27, the culmination, if in a way, of these verses, 26 and 27 is not a disconnect from the previous verses, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Statistics of a nation in free fall, according to the Pew Research Center, 60% of all Americans believe that humans and other living things have evolved over time, while only 33% of respondents rejected that statement. In other words, there's far more belief in evolutionary mindset than biblical creation. Approximately one-fourth of the entire global prison population lives, guess where? One-quarter of all the people in prisons across the world live right here in the United States of America. One-quarter. Oh, we can do it on our own. Oh, we, we've got it. 
We can do it. The city of San Francisco in 2018 handed out a total of 5.8 million free syringes to the drug addicts on their streets. And what is the result? Well, in 2017, in a one set week, seven day span, in San Francisco, there were a total of 16,000 official complaints submitted to the city of San Francisco because of piles of human manure in the streets. One week, 16,000 official complaints in the city of San Francisco. Oh, we know how best to handle. Let people be freedom. Give them all the freedom they want and everything will work out fine. It is the worship of self, humanism, if you would. In all time, 59% of all Americans believe all Americans believe that the traditional definition of marriage needs to be changed. I think we can make all the laws till the cows come home. The official definition of marriage is set in granite. God said from the beginning, one man, one woman for life. That's God said what makes a marriage. You can't redefine it long before our Congress was ever voted on, long before our nation was even dreamt of. God's plan for the home was set, and you cannot do better than God's plan for the home. The sanctity of marriage. I read the statistic just this week as I was studying. The U.S. support for gay marriage is at 71%. Here is the question. Do you think, this is again, I think, uh, a survey, I think it's a Pew survey. Uh, do you think marriages between same-sex couples should or should not be recognized by the law as valid with the same rights as traditional marriage? 71% of Americans said, yes, we think it should be viable. 71%. 71%. Finding not only that the sanctity of marriage has been a focal point of those who want to change our ideology or change our beliefs, but also the sanctity of human life. We know that. It's interesting. I read this statistic to my wife. I said that it has been reported that a staggering 41% of all New York City pregnancies end in abortion. 41%. 2011. I said, that's terrible. So I looked up there today. ABC News, New York City. You know what? 1998, it was 46%. 46% of all conceptions in New York City ended in abortion in 1998. 46%. That is staggering. It's staggering because how do we get there? It's because we have... Do you see what happens when we reject God's truth about what remains to be married, what marriage results in, and what means to have children and the responsibility therewith? We want to be able to live like the whirlwind and have no, re, no consequences. And if a consequence of a child is conceived, well, we've got to get rid of that because it inconveniences. I think it's 86%. I read a statistic. It is. One very shocking study found that 86% of all abortions are done for the sake of convenience. 86%. How in the world did we get here? Because we have lost our foundations of God's word. The number of American babies killed by abortion each year is roughly equal to the number of U.S. military deaths that have occurred in all the wars that the United States has ever been involved in combined. I know, I know I'm, I'm talking to the choir, and we are all likely on the very, very same page on this, but America is not. Christians are not. And there's a, a lot of waffling and thinking that, well, we just got to be, we've got to be, well, we got to be more. No, no, that's a child's life. 
we must uphold it, come what may. Margaret Sanger, now if you know anything about Planned Parenthood, she was the founder. She said these words, the most merciful thing, the most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. The most merciful thing. Oh, I know what's best for me. Half of our children born to a woman under 30 in America are, are out of wedlock. Three in ten white children are born out of wedlock. 53% of Hispanic babies and 73% of black babies in America, says Pat Buchanan of the Right Wing News Online. In 2013, 73% of African American babies are born out of wedlock. God's word stands. And if we think that we can go against God's word and it turn out all right, I mean, I may think that I can somehow put in my biscuits some kind of cream of tartar or some kind of uh, minced onions or something like that. And it's going to make the, it's just not going to work. I may think it's going to work and I might try something different. Now, maybe you use that in your biscuits. I don't know. I've never have, don't ever plan on doing that. My mom had eggs in her biscuits, so I had to try eggs one time for her when she's living with us. I'm back to no egg biscuits. If I think I can add those and it be okay, I just, I'm fooling myself. From an online source called The Trumpet, the article is Why Moral Decline Matters. The consequences of discarding a sacred moral code to govern the actions of individuals is far graver than most people realize, and they did a study of Britain and America. The moral landscape of today's world is now utterly transformed. Before 1912, an estimated 80% plus of brides entered marriage as virgins. Today, only about 3%. Today, only about 3% wait until marriage to have intimate relations. Even among religious people, the figure is about 20% who wait. Two-thirds of those living in the U.S. and Britain do not even consider fornication to be wrong. By the way, it's still illegal in Virginia and Idaho. Fornication is still illegal there. The growing acceptance of pornography and premarital intimate relations has undermined marriages that once bound families together. This has fueled the rapid increase of divorce. In 1890, there was one divorce for every 18 marriages in America. Today, it is one divorce for every two and a half marriages in England, there is an average of 13 divorces every hour in England and Wales. Every hour, 13 divorces. The result is that Amer- American children, one-third grow up without their biological father. In Britain, the highest proportion of children brought up in one-parent families of any major European country. People have argued that these children are no worse off, but the facts prove otherwise. Children who grew up in un- without a father at home are four times likely to be poor, nine times likelier to drop out of school, 11 times likelier to commit violent crimes, and 20 times likelier to be arrested. Not 20%, 20 times likelier. It is a post-truth society. Back to our text, chapter 1, verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. The collapse of America, according to Quinnipiac University, 
poll, 63% of all Americans want to keep Roe versus Wade in place. That was before the reversal. America is the global leader of sexual depravity, and McDonald's feeds approximately 70 million people a day globally. Pornhub attracts 78 million every day. That's just one website. Sodomy was regarded as the last symptom of a dying culture, says again this article. An 1833 edition of Encyclopedia Britannica refers to it as the nameless crime, which was the disgrace of Greek and Roman civilization. Today, such a statement is simply derided as bigotry, regardless of whether or not it is true. Noah Webster, often called the father of American scholarship and education, in the first edition of his famous Webster's Dictionary, he defines sodomy as a crime against nature. Before 1962, every American state considered sodomy a felony. And before 1973, the American Psychological Association considered homosexuality as a mental disorder. It has changed. In my lifetime, since 1961, things have so changed. But I look back, this is the same Bible my dad preached out of when I was two and three years old. Same scripture. Not, not this Bible, but the same recorded scripture. Same one. It's not changed. God's word shall stand. I'm not trying. They, we should have a love for those who are involved in that, but we also at the same time have got to say clearly, we don't approve of that. God does not approve of it, so we cannot either. Yes, love the person involved. Yes. Talk to those involved in it different times. I won't say every single week, but often I talk to people I know who are involved in it. But you've got to show a love to them. You must. Without ever condoning what they're doing. The verses, this, this, this sentence is one. 26 and 27 is, is one sentence. For this cause or for this reason. He's laid the groundwork. Now why am I so Talking about these two verses, it is because there are six key passages in all of the Bible that those who want to promote homosexuality turn to. And this is probably the number one clear-cut passage on why it is wrong. But people want to rewrite the Bible. They want to revise it. And let me give you some ideas of objections. You may not have come across these yet, but you may well down the road. Listen to these. These are the objections to saying that this actually refers to homosexuality. First one is this. What is natural in Romans 1 is not what is natural in the sense of natural laws, but is what is natural to me. The reference is not the homosexuals, but the heterosexuals who go beyond their natural bounds and engage in homosexuality. Objection two, Paul did not know about inversion, homosexuality, and mutuality, and hence this passage does not have relevance for today. Paul not knowing about things, he's like one of the smartest men who ever lived. Objection, Paul is only speaking of pederasty, that is men with boys, boys with men, here, not of adult homosexual relationships, and hence the passage is misused when applied to homosexuality. Objection again. Paul is speaking solely of Jewish purity laws, and hence it's irrelevant to the modern, enlightened society. Paul does not identify homosexuality, which is indeed mentioned in 126 and 27, as a sin. Paul's not giving a binding for all concept here, but is speaking only about what was then natural in a conventional and social sense. Paul is trapping the Jews in Romans 1 and springs the trap in Romans 2, and hence what is in Romans 1 is really irrelevant to the modern situation. Those are all 
supposed objections to try to steer us around the clear teaching of God's Word. If you want to know, one of the point people has been called Matthew Vines, one of the point people and, and Christian people who are, it's okay, and that's his mind, and they want to steer around that. And listen, the Bible's clear. America in the mid-1900s, 1950s, early 60s, would all have agreed whether Christian or not. It's just wrong. Just wrong. Living together unmarried. It's just wrong. Every, almost everybody was just, you don't do those kind of things. But now, it's, it's the right, it seems, of people. He gave them up. Back to our text. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Vile affections, degrading passions, shameful lust, vile passions. If you, however you want to call it, whatever it is, it is a bad thing. Henry Moore says the descent into evolutionary paganism is always followed by gross immorality, specifically including sexual perversion, such as described in Romans 1, 26 to 29. Ancient Sodom was so notorious for homosexuality that its practice has long been known as sodomy. The practice became so widespread in ancient Greece that it was considered normal and even desirable. The Conference of Women in China in 1994 said that lesbianism for the woman is the preferred intimate relationship. It's because they want to, and the whole, not the whole, I'm sorry, those who want to change the world are trying to change the ideology, and they have been so effective. But it flies in the face of clear biblical teaching. You and I must stand firm. Paul gives a, a fitting example of these vile affections, one that illustrates the twistedness at the very core of human identity. This is the, he first mentions lesbianism, describing clearly adult mutual lesbian activity. And I was telling Stephanie at lunch, I think this is the only place where this is so clearly delineated in all the New Testament so yes, they want to put it aside. So they don't, want, they don't want to hear what God has to say. Why? Because it's convicting. It's convicting. When my wife starts doing, doing the uh, sermons on Sunday night, she gets, and gets, gets all set and she'll start playing it. And she, she plays it too long. She says, I'm sorry because I know you don't like to hear yourself. I don't know I want to hear myself play or preach. Because, oh, I did that. Oh, oh man, I, I, I talk so fast. Yes, you do. No. I, I play so loud. Yes, you do. So I don't want to hear those things, but you know, sometimes it's good for us to hear those things. But the world does not want to hear that it is still contrary to God's word. It's, there's, there's a, just, working that which is unseemly. Verse 27. It says in 27, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And likewise, so whatever's going on in 26 continues on with men in 27. The women were burned in 26 for one another, leaving the natural use of the woman. 27, the men now are doing the very thing, leaving the natural use of the woman and being with each other. And that ties all together, that which is unseemly. What was wrong in 26 is wrong in 27. What's wrong in 27 is wrong in 26. You see, it is, both of them are out of bounds against nature. It's sad. Paul says, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And this is voluntary. This is not, now I know there are, there are and sad to say, 
The sex trade is so prevalent in the world, there are a lot of women and men who are caught up and are absolutely made to do. You and I would probably vomit and could not even handle the things they have to do on a daily basis, likely. And it's, it's terrible. But these, these, in this case, Paul's referring to, they chose. They exchanged the natural function for what is against nature. There is choice involved here, a choice that expresses the twistedness of rebellion against the Creator. That, and the Paul's illustrating it so saliently. The natural intimate function is still known to these women, but they choose. You see that? They choose. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the exchange. They know what they were doing. They know what they are doing today even. They're exchanging. Paul uses the very same term in the preceding verse in 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator. They, they, obviously, they're exchanging. This carries such a negative thing. The exchange of God's truth for a lie is the same as exchanging the natural intimate use for the unnatural. The choice is purposeful in the first as well as in the second. The meaning of against nature there in 26 is defined by the context. The word there translated natural use is not ambiguous or questionable. And I'm amazed at the, that the workarounds people try to come up with reasoning for the Leviticus passage in Genesis 19, it is said by some, well, what was referring to there was lack of hospitality. And that's why the Sodomites were so uh, condemned by God, because they weren't hospitable. And there's all kinds of men. I find it for us in verse, is it 28? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A mind that just cannot handle true spiritual things that is turned against God. The conjunction of the word word for natural is likewise clear, and the resulting phrase, natural use, is easily understood by Paul's original audience and by any unbiased person today. If you are unbiased and you read these two verses, you're going to say, wow, any kind of same-sex relationship is wrong. If you're wondering what God says, there's only one place, a man, a woman with each other, married to each other, in the bonds of marriage. That is the only thing God approves. Anything else, it's a sin. It's, it's, that, it's, it's, that, it's that narrow. God's that narrow. And when that is followed, society thrives. Society, civilizations thrive when they base themselves on God's word and follow his directives. That's what happens. They change, exchange, a downward spiral of sinfulness. God created women with a natural, physical, intimate function. When one rebels against God's truth and exchanges it for a lie, the lie impacts everything else in one's life. The natural function exchanged for that which is against nature, that is unnatural against the created order. And it seems like those involved in, in this, in this the really like, like pushing forward, and pushing the identity thing, the LGBTQIA plus mindset, it's like they, they, this is what they want to be identified by. I am this above all things. I tell you, the greatest thing a human being can be is a child of God. His child. That's the, I, I want you to know, first of all, yes, I'm a husband. Yes, uh, I have cats in my house. Yes, I have children. Grand, but first of all, I'm, a, I'm God's child. I have been saved. I've given my heart and life to Him. Am I perfect? We know, all of us, you know, I am not that by any means. 
but I am saved by His marvelous grace. I am a true believer in Christ. I want you to know that first about me. And not whatever else. And likewise, also 27 the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the heir, which was meat again the word. And likewise, ties those two verses, which is actually one sentence together, leaving means abandoning. They abandoned the natural use of the woman. Same words Paul used for lesbianism. These men have done a what? They made a choice. They made a choice. We're going to abandon that, normal, natural, and we're going to do this. Now, my minds, I can't even grasp why men would do that. I, I, honestly, I can't. I, I can't understand why men would do that, but the, it is. Maybe it goes back to that reprobate mind. God's clear intention in, in the physically intimate experience of his creatures is to be between one man, one woman, married to each other, and with each other, just as Adam and Eve. This is the natural intimate function of a man and a woman. But men described in this verse abandon. They know what they are doing, but they reject God's claim on their life. They choose. Adrian Rogers said, you can make your choices, but you cannot choose the consequences of those choices. They're going to choose, and one day they're going to reap the consequences. Matter of fact, the verse says, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Man cannot expect to engage in deviant activity without receiving the recompense of that error or their error. You cannot sow to the whirlwind and expect the crop failure. There's going to be a, a payday someday. The roosters are coming home to roost. I was just driving up tonight, and there and 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 Fayette had, has a post out there, and there's a like wings were hanging off it like that. I was like, a chicken went home to roost. The chickens are going to come home to roost eventually. You may try to keep close the close the door, but they're coming home to roost in time. The recompense of their error. Now, there's a lot of ideas. Some people think, I believe, would say that the AIDS epidemic was the recompense of the error. But there's, as White and Neil say in their book, three things we can most assuredly say. First of all, the fact that a recompense or penalty or punishment is attached to their error of performing that which is unseemly, or might understand it as shameful deeds, reinforces the understanding that this is wrong. They are going to receive a recompense of what they are doing because it is Oh, it's right. No, if it's right, they wouldn't. If it's wrong, they would. Secondly, which is meat or that which is due or necessary punishment is a fitting that it, such deeds plainly receive a penalty from God's justice. Demands that when you twist the created order, there's going to be a punitive response from God. And third, the error is not merely a miscalculation as we might use the term error today. I was hanging up uh, the, uh, the uh, pictures on our walls at home and I, I spotted, I sighted them all without measuring. And I got to one wall and it had a two, those pictures that have two things on them. Not one right in the middle, it's got one here, one here. I better measure this one. So I measured it here, measured it down here, and put the hole in the wall. I mean, the brand, not a mark on the wall. Put my things in there, screwed in there, and hung the pictures like, that's the one I measured. And it's off. So this one has, if you ever come to our house and take off the picture of the cows with of the girl with the cows coming in, Adamish girl, there's an extra hole under there because I had to put another hole in the wall because I didn't measure it right. That would be an error. 
This word error here has the idea of drawn from the right path. Or the New Testament refers to a being misled from the right path. It's perversion. Or perhaps we might have the idea, the due penalty for their perversion. That is what these verses are talking about. If you start reading, I just read to my wife this evening, uh, someone was, was describing how the, the myth of biblical sodomy, how the, the, the people who re- believe the Bible are so wrong. And here's where they're off on this and that. In closing, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Reprobate is adokimas, adokimas, or adokimas, cast away, rejected, not standing the test, not approved, unfit for, unproved, spurious, a reprobate mind. Though they're created in the image of God, the very crowning jewel of creation itself, man has so twisted themselves and rebelled against God's truth that the truth is laying in the street and can't get up. It's what was right is wrong. What was wrong is right. Truth is now, if I could do it, I'd stand on my head. Truth is standing on its head and and across the world in America in many regards because those who are pushing their agenda of immorality have, I believe a lot of them have a reprobate mind. They just simply, God says. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And we see it listed there, all those things. And in 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Sin has so twisted the mind of man, as you're turning and closing to Psalm 2, please, Psalm 2, that even when he knows full well the result of his actions, he not only willfully chooses to do them, but has pleasure in other people who do those same things. It is one of the drag queen people of the drag queen story hour openly admitted that they are binding children to, I don't want to say, it's not not profile, binding children who they can start nurturing in their ungodly lifestyle. I forget what, there's a word I'm looking for. Groom, thank you very much. They're trying, they want to groom children to act like them. The guilty man on death row, knowing full his condemnation, often continues his his life of crime and tries to get as many as he can to join with him. And Satan loves it when you get a pure Christian who gets off on the wrong things and gets so so involved in sin. Woohoo! And he goes off to somebody else. It's not like he's going to bit their old Christian, I'm so sorry you failed. Let me help you. Let me pray for you and get you. No, he's like, whoa, I'm done with you. Cast you away. We're going to see that in our own country when those who have signed on together for a while, when their usefulness is over, we're going to cast you away. We don't need you anymore. There's going to be a division. In closing, if you're there at Psalm 2, I know what time it is. It's right at 7 and a half. 7030 seconds. Psalm chapter 2. I got it in my notes. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall, shall laugh. 
the Lord shall have them in derision, meaning to mock, deride, ridicule, to ridicule, and to mock. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And Psalm 917, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. You want to know where America is in the future? We are on in the valley of Jezreel. At the end of the tribulation time, we're going to be, America's going to be, have probably millions of people standing to fight Jesus as he comes back with us. And that's where America's going to be, and they're going to be decimated like every other nation standing against God. And they will not be at the marriage supper. They will be the supper for the birds. But the good news is, we have eternal life in Christ. And next Sunday, I plan on doing it because night, but next Sunday, the back to the basics, how we can serve the Lord this year. What do we need to be reminded of? Recommitment to serving Him and growing in our love for Him. Let us pray. In closing, thank you for your patience. Let's pray. Lord, this passage in Romans is so powerful, so sad, Lord, I, I, and not in anger at all. Lord, it's in sorrow and sadness that I have to say this of my own country, that in 61 years we have changed to where we are today. Lord, help us to, to, to repent. May our nation, our Christians, starting with Christians, I know I say that word every Sunday, but Lord, that is the answer. It is you. You are the hope of nations. You are the God of glory. Lord, help us to humble ourselves. We are such a prideful nation and people in many respects. Lord, we need to be humbled. We are being humbled, I believe. May we repent and follow you and serve you. So, Lord, give us encouragement. You've left us here for such a time as this, and you are yet in control. Nothing takes you by surprise, and your will will be done. We look forward to seeing what you have for us this coming year in 2023. May we be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.